Hello, and of course, welcome to this, our 60th episode of the Duels of Man Dorks podcast. I'm Connor. And I'm Sam. We are not brothers. Nor are we in a dungeon. And uh, we are the Dungeon Bros. I should have. Wow, I just totally fucked that up entirely. I, I, do you want to take it from the top? <sighs> I don't know if I'm going to leave all this in, but of course, welcome to this, our 60th episode of the Duels of Man Dorks podcast. Uh, we are the Dungeon Bros, and I'm Connor. And I'm Sam. We are not brothers. Nor are we in a dungeon. Yes, that is the correct way to do it. And now I'm definitely going to leave them both in. Uh, it's, yeah, it's hilarious. I mean... I'm really tired. For those of you that don't know, Friday was my birthday. It was. My birthday. I'm 29. I'm an old man. I'm aging I, rapidly. I've been 29 for months. Yeah, you're an old man. And aging age rapidly. rapidly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, this weekend was a bit of a blur. And next weekend, I got, this coming weekend, I got a lot of shit to do. Yeah. So we're kind of living, we're kind of living that busy life right now, which is a great time. Um... But we wake up on this Tuesday, February Tuesday, February 13th to record this podcast. The fattest of Tuesdays, in fact. It is a fat Tuesday. It is a fat Tuesday for those that celebrate. I love the um, the the like Jewish little like custard filled chocolate covered donut, donuts yeah. that we can get at the. I've been going like, hard on those. They're fucking phenomenal. Okay. And. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be shamed for my love of a Bavarian cream chocolate covered donut. I'm not big into filled donuts. Here, yeah, you wouldn't be into being filled. <laughs> we're, we're we're putting this out to the public. Yeah, exactly. So we woke up on this the Lord's Day, a Fat Tuesday, mm-hmm. and we were like, got a couple things we can talk about. There's some rumors, is whatever, and it's like, oh, hello, we got release dates, baby. Yeah, one D and D release dates. Finally, and we got some thoughts. We'll get to that when we're talking about the upcoming releases for uh, Magic and for Dungeons and Dragons. We also got some rumors that were proven false by very Wizards quickly. very quickly by Wizards. They they put the kibosh on it real quick. There were rumors going around about Hasbro wanting to sell the rights of D and D to Ten Cent Games, which we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. We got uh, the Joe Manganiello uh, Dragonlance series being canceled. Kind of. It's never really picked up. And then some wrap-up items, which will be fine. But uh, this episode of the Duels of Manadors podcast, of course, is sponsored for real this time. Actually, 100%. (laughs) Uh, By ourselves, we're starting a new podcast, Why Did They Make It Sexy? A deep dive into Magic the Gathering cards that we like to call Mommy. Uh, of course, this whole trend started when we both pulled a copy of Elish Norn, Mother of Machines. Right, Elish Mommy, Mommy of Mommies. Elish Mommy. Um, but we can't forget other great cards like Ink Eyes, ooh. Servant of the Oni, who is a sexy, sexy rat. Or if you want to look at the card for Armadillo. No, 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 no. We're not. We're not just moving past the sexy rat comment. This is supposed to be my bit. We're You're gonna make the sexy rat. And you're going to expect me to not comment on the sexy rat? Really? Ink eyes. Yes, I know ink eyes, and they make the rat sexy, but... but... Okay, what else? What other other sexy cards are we going to talk about? Uh, The armadillo cloak art. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'll pull that one up right now. Armadillo. If I could spell armadillo cloak. Uh, Ooh, uh, I want to call out. I want to call out the anime art of the new feather, not feather. The oh fuck! All right, titties. Hello, damn. 
Uh, the new Feather, not Feather the Redeemed, but Feather something else in the anime art yes. is a little is a sexy little anime girl. Um, Stitcher Supplier, mm, a one one mm. zombie that they also it's mm. like I let her step on me. Yeah, I mean fair. I mean fair. Ooh, Massacre Girl, just in all oh, iter- absolutely all the iterations of Massacre Girl. Um, and we made the joke about Elish Mommy, Mommy of Mommies. That that head's weird. You know, we might need to we might need to brown grocery bag it, but she, with how much machine she is, like more machine than man. There might be some interesting functions there. Who knows? There might be some interesting functions, but of course that episode will probably never see the light of day. For the sake of humanity, <laughs> we'll never see the day. Yep. Um, I'm going to do what we're what we've been playing because I don't want to jump into talking about the guests that we've been having on the podcast after right that, after that massacre right after that. Um, but I'm, we're working we're working over here. I'm going to start this time. I'm going to start this time. Yeah. I've got, of course, I'm working on the Call of the Nether Deep campaign. Thank the Lord. Um, but what we have a bit of an emotional we have an emotional bit of uh, tragic Magic the Gathering deck building news. And one of my first commander decks, one of my first commander decks that I made from scratch, Tovalor Dire Overlord, a werewolf, a gruel commander deck. I think it's time that that he be he be taken off to the pasture. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, at one point I took this deck and I split it into like a dual purpose Oathbreaker and commander deck using inner sleeves and like marking the inner sleeves on the front face to be like these are the ones that are used for the Oathbreaker deck and then you can pull them out and do that. I'm probably going to just retool the Oathbreaker deck part so he'll be in a deck. Yeah. Uh, but then we're going to take a lot of the good gruel bits and we're going to take them and we're going to make uh, Yars of the Old Gods the new um, Murder to Karlov Manor commander deck with face-down things. It's a haste enabler. It draws cards like Tovalar. Mm -hmm. Uh, Free flipping for morphed and disguised cards, which I think is the big thing for me. That's why I never really interacted with that mechanic in the first place was the it was a lot of mana to cast it and then flip it. Yeah, it wasn't it's not necessarily super um meta in in commander obviously in in smaller formats it could have very impactful things going on but absolutely yaris is definitely a strong commander for that yes and in the realm of video games Mm -hmm. my newest addiction persona 3 reload has been out and i've been going hard i'm like 30 hours in already um i just now got all the party members which is great Cool. cool fantastic uh, about halfway through the big dungeon that is that runs throughout the entire game, Tartarus. Mm. It's got like, I'm not even halfway. It's got like 250 some odd floors in it, and I'm at like 105. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like a, you played Persona 5. It's like Mementos. Yes. A bit. Um, it's actually very similar to Mementos in a lot of ways, this version. The old version was a lot more grindy, a lot more monotonous. Uh, but in the in this remade version, Persona Three Reload, highly highly recommend. And as opposed to Persona Five and Persona Five Re- uh, Royal, which are like ninety and one hundred and twenty hour long JRPGs, yeah. Apparently, Persona Three Reloads closer to like seventy five eighty. Okay. So a bit more reasonable in the time commitment f- time frame. So that's what I that's what I've been up to. Same. What have you been playing? Well, let's see. Uh... Some D&D, of course. Actually, this past weekend had some very, um, very, a very long D&D session um, in our Star Wars campaign, uh, which is actually coming to kind of a wrap-up point. Oh, really? This game started back 
in 2020, we had two sessions before lockdown started. And uh, talking to our, our friend who was DMing Salem, they said that uh, back in like November, they said maybe 15 to 20 more sessions. And we're about, I think, three to five in since then. So hypothetically, by the end of the year, I might actually finish a campaign for the first time ever. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. In, hmm? I think I think you're going to get about 10 more sessions in. And then it'll be like, ah, but I got this great idea for another arc. We'll just do one more arc. <laughs> well, the thing is, one of our friends uh, is planning to move states. Mm. And so, like, you know, going from... Uh, right now, I'm the f- person who drives the farthest at about an hour. Yeah. Uh, but she and her uh, boyfriend are moving about eight to ten hours away. Oh, yeah. So uh, we're trying to wrap that up and then maybe do another campaign. Maybe do some... Who, who knows what we'll do next, mm-hmm. but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, feel free to invite me to that. You're never available. I am I can make myself available. All right, we mostly play on Sundays at 1 in Dayton. In Dayton? I mean, I might be a little bit late. I get off work at noon. Mm-hmm. Dayton's how far from downtown? Well, less than an hour. Well, I could get there, like, right at 1, then, maybe. <laughs> if, I, if I don't hit traffic. Also, you don't like Star Wars. I mean, I don't dislike Star Wars. I'm just not, like, thrilled with Star Wars. I like Star Wars in concept, but in, like, movie practice, not as much. Yeah, the movies have never been the greatest things. The video games have been always my favorite parts of Star Wars. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, as far as Magic the Gathering goes, though, I have been... I built a, a uh, Duskana the Rage Mother deck. Mm-hmm. So, a bunch of 2-2s. Two uh, that was my that was my uh, building requirement, is it either had to be a 2-2 two two or a card that created only 2-2 two two tokens. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it wasn't a 2-2 that created a 2-2 token, doesn't matter. doesn't get in the deck. Uh, but I've got those cards on the way. Nice. And then in the realm of video games, actually very exciting, I've been spreading freedom and democracy to alien worlds in Helldivers 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been hearing a lot of good things about Helldivers. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, it's not it's not overcomplicated. It's a third-person shooter. Um Big explosions. It looks it looks like there's a little bit in the a little bit go, too much going on for my own ADHD in the like um, like the UI. Like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff on screen. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. I don't I don't think the Helldivers is any more like complicated on screen than necessarily say like a Call of Duty game. That's fair. That's fair, but uh, it's it's also not Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. <laughs> it is not Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. You <laughs> are that, correct. And that that UI is a fucking disaster. Also, can we talk about how Rocksteady took nine years to make a game, and then it's like a six-hour kind of shitty looter shooter? Yeah, right. With the Suicide Squad, that sucks. Anyway. Uh, before we get into the upcoming releases and the news for this episode, uh, we want to shout out uh, some of the bonus action. Uh, it's a new little sub podcast, little extra, little extra maneuvers that we're doing over here at the Duels of Manadorks podcast. Uh, we had on several weeks ago Randy Sackett of the Forged Realms. We talked about three D printing in D anD D. We talked about our Gen Con experiences mm-hmm. together. Uh, just last week, we posted our podcast with the Bearded GM, another one of our friends from TikTok. He stayed with us at Gen Con, and uh, it got a little got a little weird. Yeah, yeah. it was good. Yeah. It was a good weird. He and I, he and I are two sides of the same coin in many ways. 
You are. Uh, one of those that, you know, flip into a fountain and out comes some sort of weird monster. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's like if you were to go to, oh, what's the name of that fancy fountain in Italy that everyone... Oh, I have no freaking, idea. That one. You flip the coin in and then a fucking hole breaker comes out or some <laughs> shit, you know? Uh, and then next week, this one I'm actually... This one I think you guys will really like. Um, we had Ivy, a gamer-rated girl. From TikTok, she is the CEO of the Crit Awards. Yeah, uh, the Creator Recognition and Tabletop RPGs uh, Awards. They had their first annual award show last year at Gen Con, uh, and they're ramping it up even more for this year. They got new categories. Uh, we go over the entire process of creating the Crit Awards, uh, what some of her partnerships have been, who's been helping out, uh, what some changes have been, and got a little exclusive, little exclusive info in there. That will go live next week, February 21st, at the same time as our regular podcast, uh, 12.30 p.m. That'll be a really good one. And it's also a little shorter, a little, di- a little bit quicker, more, more digestible. digestible experience, which is also pretty nice. But Sam, we got some upcoming releases to go through, and... It's good. Yeah, it's um, juicy shit. Actually, if, before we jump in, you want to pull up that article, and we can, I can read. We can read through that because oh, that is directly heard. related to the upcoming D and D releases. That's right, D and D twenty twenty four rules refresh has been finally announced. We just talked last two weeks ago about how the actual dates had not been released. Yeah, uh, they had said so in an interview. It's been an eerily long time of just like radio silence and it's like guys we're in the year yeah what's going on but here we go uh so this is a a article from polygon wizards of the coast has been teasing the next revision of dungeons dragons fifth edition rule set since 2022 at the same time working to temper fans expectations while managing multiple controversies including but not limited to the ogl debacle the ogl debacle a particularly heinous round of holiday layoffs by its corporate owner, and a complicated recall of defective products. Um, the with the uh, with the TTRPG's official 50th anniversary last month, and it passed without so much fanfare from its owner. Then on Monday, Withered shared the news briefing containing a particular release calendar for the next 12 months. Buried at the bottom was the fact that the monster manual. The third and final book in the revised set would not be available until February 18th of 2025, almost a year from now. Uh, yeah, that's that was that was the biggest thing. Um, for in my mind, it's like we we were talking about this a little bit before we started, but the complete. Like, like they're spreading out the three core books a lot. Yeah. Which doesn't make a whole lot. I'll let you. I'll let you. With, with the player's handbook coming in on September seventeenth of this year, the dungeon master's guide two months later in November, and the monster manual, of course, in February of next year. It's it's one of those things that, like, obviously, the only thing that you need to play D anD D is the player's handbook mm-hmm. that has the core rules that has all the the all the big choices that you would be making yeah. in the game in terms of character creation uh the dungeon master's guide not as important to even really have yeah but 
it's weird that they're not choosing to do all of this at the same time. You'd think they'd want to bundle it together like they've done so often in the past. And I could totally, I could, like, I get separating the monster manual a little bit just because, like, the player's handbook is going to have some stat blocks. Mm -hmm. Uh, The dungeon master's guy is probably going to have a couple stat blocks. And then you can use old stat blocks. In fact, that's that's supposed to be a key feature of this revised edition is you can, it's all backwards compatible. Absolutely. So I, I... And Hasbro being the way that Hasbro is, would they not want a complete boxed set of these three books available right after Black Friday? With alternate with alternate uh, covers, as they are so known to do? Exactly. I mean, they've been working on these books for a very, very long time. Um, and are still working on those books. Yeah, and it's, it, it just seems like... A bit of an oversight, a bit of a weird decision to make to spread these books out. I mean, obviously, people have been complaining a lot about oversaturation, mm-hmm. ourselves included, in, Absolutely. The, in the release of D&D books. But that's for supplemental content. Like, this is core content for the game, you know? It, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And especially since these are, like we said not necessarily not necessary to play the game mm-hmm. or or mm-hmm. uh, this is revised and so what happens when that if that player handbook comes out and everybody's just like well this was completely useless and just tosses it to the side and grabs their 2014 again yeah like then there's no going to be no incentive to buy the other two yeah if the if the player base for whatever reason rejects the player's handbook which i am don't imagine that would happen the, with the play tests, people have been very happy with a lot of the changes and of course the people that are doing the play tests and giving their thoughts in the review period are going to be the ones that are most heavily involved in wanting new D&D content and like they're they're the they're the power users mm-hmm. of the game in a lot of ways so this is going to be a lot of people's first exposure to some of this stuff and I'm sure there's going to be that shock value of yeah. some of the changes that they have been making that we all know about because I I can't imagine anyone that listens to this podcast or listens to us talk about this shit also is kind of like, I just don't really pay that close attention to D&D, you know? But I will say, I'm I'm sure there's probably a video video out going to be made by several creators, maybe us included, where we go, Mm -hmm. hey, if you downloaded all of these things throughout the year, you just need to pay... This one and put it on PDF, and this one on PDF, and we put this whole PDF together. That's just the player's handbook with all the updates that you need. Yeah, and like obviously, playtest material is never the same as the actual books. The the books never are never quite the same. The there's always a couple of little tweaks. Also, the books are just in a presentation manner, just much nicer, easier to read, better organized. Of course, they have the arts. Yeah, big, big. They have a big draw on the arts coming. We've already seen one, but they've got a whole new array of art coming. Yeah. So every class, uh, I think every race and background, or sorry, every species, species, which oh, that's so much more reductive. I can't like, just call her. Just say heritage. Sure, heritage. Yeah. I think is a fine term for it. Okay. Anyway, uh, they also gave some release dates for two other books that are yeah. coming out this year. The new, the uh, upcoming. Adventure I Vecna Eve of Ruin. Uh, it's a level ten to twenty campaign, and that is set to release on May twenty-first of this year. And we also have the Quest from the Infinite Staircase, another anthology book, and that is set to drop on July sixteenth of this year. 
and along with every one of these, if you order them through D&D Beyond, you will get the, every publication two weeks before the physical release. Absolutely. And there's, they're also doing a weird, they're doing a weird little, like, history book. Yeah. As well. Uh, we, I, I, I can handle this. Yeah, go this. for it. Yeah. It's, uh, gosh. The Making of Original Dungeons and Dragons, 1970 to 1977. Uh, set to arrive on June 18th. There are no digital options, but it is a unique history book uh, courtesy of New York Times bestselling author and historian John Peterson, who also did uh, Game Wizards, The Epic Battle for Dungeons and Dragons, as well as the Heroes Feast official Dungeons and Dragons cookbook. Uh, it's just kind of it's just kind of a book that goes over the inception of Dungeons and Dragons, including Gary Gygax's never before seen first draft of D and D written in 1973, as long as along with a curated collection of published uh, fanzine and magazine articles that contributed to D and D's origin story. So that's kind of just a fun little history piece, kind of like a mm-hmm. coffee table book, not really. Uh, the kind of things that most players are going to be into, but if you're it's a collector's piece, it's a it's a collector's piece, and it's going to be a pretty nice one at that. Um, well, we can finally stop complaining about the lack of release dates. True, it's really weird to me. It's really really weird to me that this was all all this information was handed out on a Monday outside of the 50th anniversary yeah. of the game. That was only a couple weeks ago, so I want to. I like. It's almost like maybe their marketing department might be a little bit short-staffed. Or maybe something. a little thin, a little skeleton little thin. crew. Maybe who knows? Who knows? That's not that's not our judgment call to make. But of course, we're very excited for one D and D. I think the player's handbook is going to be very solid. Mm-hmm. I, I would be shocked if the the if the core three books were not very solid. Um, with with the the lack of um, care that's been put into a lot of products over the past two years, they're really going to have to make sure of that. Yeah. To keep yeah. Uh, not only to of course bring it. You know, there's always a new influx of players when you change editions because it's like oh something new. Now I can pick this up. Now it's it's fresh to, to not just me but mm. to everybody. But so, but you also don't want to lose your old players, yeah, um, who have been spending money on you for years. I will say, I am also very pleased that we're going to have a, a fairly long period without a D and D book release for a while, right? And like we at the be at mid February that we are, we have what March, April, May. We have three months until yeah. the next D and D book, which. In some ways, is like, aw. But at the same time, it's like, Vecna, Eve of Ruin, if they're giving it this kind of time, it's a level 10 to 20 adventure. They've never made a level 20 pre-written adventure before. Yeah. And they've they've already kind of hinted that it's going to be this kind of, like, this this kind of, like, giving a send-off to the original 5th edition and kind of wrap up a lot of stuff. Um, and then, of course, Quest from the Infinite Staircase. The anthology books are always some of the best books oh, that yeah. they make. Uh, I did see that they're going to take one of the adventures from Quest from the Infinite Staircase and publish it uh, for free on D&D mm, Beyond okay. in the very near future so that it can be used for like tournament play for yeah. stuff starting in March. Actually, if you scroll down weird. to the bottom of this, the Polygon article mentions... 
Uh, in addition to these releases, including projects that have been announced, uh, highlights include adversarial tournament-style play that was common with older versions of D&D. Uh, there will also be footwear and apparel from Converse, an official LEGO Ideas building set complete with minifigures, and a delicious treat suitable for snacking around the gaming table from Pop-Tarts. Yeah, Hasbro be Hasbro and with that one for sure. Um, I'm not I'm not opposed to companies licensing their IP to other companies to create collectible products for people that like that stuff. I got nothing against that. It's always just cringe hearing them talk about it. Oh, yeah. Um, the Lego Ideas series of Legos, from what I understand, are like some of their best line of products. Like they have a lot more care put into them. Yeah, Lego is is pretty... Um, pretty They're on good. the ball. They're good. Converse has been popular for. I mean, we're all we're millennials here. Oh yeah, Converse has always been a thing. I've got a pair of Chucks. Uh, I don't. Also, Pop Tarts. Yay. <laughs> you know, you, you got know what my favorite Pop Tart is the 2002 tie-in Spider-Man Pop Tart. Can you be the a wild berry? You know they did. They did. If you remember, they did uh, Hot Pockets for MTG. Oh my god! And now they're doing yes. Pop Tarts. They just want. Non ravioli raviolis mm-hmm. to be to be included with your nerd shit. I guess they are all handheld sort of ideas. Um, the getting the codes for Magic Arenas is the is right. The, yeah, I remember I, you you bought I got just a couple for that. Bo- I got I got like two boxes of Pop Tarts or Hot Pockets, and that was the first time I got Hot Pockets like like in a very 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 long time. And they're fine. They're hot pockets. They're they're hot pockets. Hot they have not pocket. changed. Hot pocket. All right. So in the freezer aisle. Indeed, indeed. So that's the big news item for today, and we haven't even gotten into the news yet. So no. let's uh, just give a quick rundown of all the release dates. So Mar- uh, Merge the Karloff Manor is out now. Um, if you're ma- sorry, we're moving on to magic. Merge the Karloff Manor is out now. The Fallout decks come out March eighth. Outlaws of Thunder Junction is set for pre-release uh, April twelfth, with the full release April nineteenth. Modern Horizon 3 is set for June. The Assassin's Creed Universes Beyond is set for July, with Bloomborough coming in quarter three, and Duskmourne House of Horror coming in Q4. Yes, and another quick rundown of the D&D books. Vecna Eve of Ruin, May 21. Quest for the Infinite Staircase, July 16. The Player's Handbook, September 17th. The Dungeon Master's Guide, November 12th. And then the Monster Manual, much later, February 18th. 2025, over one year from now, mm-hmm. if you're listening to this as we record or post. Yeah. That's a long time for a for a compendium of monsters. <laughs> I yeah. feel I always felt like the monster manual would be the easier ones to produce. You'd think. Because like they have a they clearly have a format. Sure. For all of their stat blocks. And you kind of just need to plug in the values. I mean, obviously you gotta play test all of the stuff, but like there's a li- there's like lore blurbs but we're not doing like these long protracted like descriptions and rules tested like like a monster's a monster right it's a lot easier it, it's it's like when it comes to homebrew some of the easiest things to make magic items monsters and then the next level is like spells and subclasses and feats and, feats and stuff yeah and it's like that that's a lot that's stuff that a lot of people can do so i, I i'm kind of surprised that they are there's this much of a difference. It makes me kind of excited. Like, is there going? Like, is it going to be a chonky? Are they going to like monster manual? Include every monster? Are they going to? I know with um, more recent publications and especially with the D and D Beyond ones, they changed the formatting a little bit on the stat blocks, and of course on the D and D Beyond ones, making all of the oh, if it has this spell, it's you can now like hover over it and see it, or if it has this yeah. ability. Um, 
So maybe maybe something like that, maybe simplifying or maybe overhauling. Who knows? I know they were wanting to – they've already kind of reordered how stat blocks are, and that's been evolving as 5e books have been yeah. coming out. Uh, I like the method of, like, here's your static features – then here's your actions, here's your bonus actions, yes. here's your reactions. I think that is a great way to organize things. And honestly, moving monster stat blocks away from spell slots, yes, and just using, like, they can cast these spells once per day. They can cast these spells three times per day. They can cast these at will. I think that's just an easier tracking method for Absolutely. a dungeon master. When, when you, as a dungeon master, are maybe running four, five, six monsters. Yeah. I do. I've also heard of uh, methods where DMs will, uh, yeah, like hand a monster stat sheet basically over to a player and be like, mm. okay, you're also tracking this monster's HP and uh, you know spells, whatever. Um, so, but it's options. It's I, options. I, I I imagine that a lot of these stat blocks that we're going to be getting are going to just be reformatted ones. From- Likely previous monster like, which even makes it weirder that it would take this long but unless it's all trying to be in it's it maybe it's the the D beyond aspect of it that's taking that's going to add that extra yeah, time that's fair at formatting linking making sure all the hyperlinks work yeah. everything like that 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 would make a lot of sense too all right let's get into the meat uh there was a big controversy that was going around uh it was a it was an article that was originally published on uh pan daily which is like a, a new, like a like a Chinese news site in English, mm-hmm. um, and they were reporting that another publication in China, Speed Daily, exclusively learned that the American toy company Hasbro was seeking to sell the Dungeons and Dragons IP to really anybody, but the main quarter of the IP was Tencent. Uh, Tencent, for those of you that do not know. They how do how do I how do I do this unbiasedly? Because <laughs> uh, Tencent is a is, Tencent is a Chinese company that has been known to buy stakes in entertainment companies internationally, and by buying stakes in these companies, buying controlling stakes yes. in these companies, coming out of a media conglomeration base almost. Yeah, Ten- Tencent is a, is a is a Chinese multimedia conglomerate yeah. in a lot of ways. Um and you know, that I'm going to offer my opinion, you can disagree. I'm not a big fan of of Chinese Communist Party entities buying up everything. I think that's a little bit suspect in my opinion but this kind of this kind of rumor spread so fast oh yeah like this was this article the original article was published on january 31st and within like a day or two hasbro gave their own statement uh, wizards of the coast sorry gave their own statement uh specifically the statement was given to dice breakers which was reporting on this uh the following day on february 1st and they said quote We regularly talk to Tencent and enjoy multiple partnerships with them across a number of our IPs. We don't make a habit of commenting on internet rumors, but to be clear, we are not looking to sell our D&D IP. We will keep talking to partners about how we bring the best digital experience to our fans. We will not comment any further on speculation or rumors about potential mergers and acquisitions or licensing 
deals. So putting the kibosh on that immediately. Yeah. Uh, the main partnership that they were discuss that they were referencing there is of course Larian Studios that made Baldur's Gate three. Uh, Tencent has a controlling stake in Larian mm-hmm. Studios, uh, along with countless other entities and countless other IP that they happen to own or have controlling stakes in. Um, it's one of those things that I'm surprised that people don't think about what they're reading a little bit. Because I, yeah. re- I read that Pandaily article before they gave a comment, and I'm like, mm, this kind of sounds like they're just looking for licensing things. Because like, Hasbro, of course, is hemorrhaging money. Yes. It is lo- loss of blood hard. And yes, they laid off a lot of Wizards of the Coast employees, but they have to know, they have to know that if they were to sell off D&D and Magic or one or the other, then that's basically like, you're in your boat, it's got some leaks, and then you 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 take a fucking chainsaw to the hull and you just run around the entire thing and you lose the bottom. You know, yeah, fuck the bottom. Yeah, fuck the bottom of the boat. What is that important for? Yeah, I think that you know, if we'd seen, oh, Hasbro is selling Power Rangers or is selling Peppa Pig, we would that'd be much more believable immediately. Absolutely. Um, and I think maybe part of the the immediate reaction of a lot of people was the fact that nobody's happy with Hasbro right now. Yeah, And so to hear, oh, it's going somewhere else, this thing we love might be going somewhere else to maybe somebody who cares more, is probably the first, is probably going to be an initial reaction of a lot of, is a opinion yeah. I've heard from some people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I did the same thing where I, I, I saw another, I saw another TikToker post about it, um, and I was like, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, well, it's, it's one of those, you gotta have your bullshit detector on for a mm-hmm. lot of this stuff. I think it also helps that you and I are just kind of naturally skeptical people. Oh, we're horrifyingly skeptical people of everything. And so, and we have been proven wrong with the OGL stuff. We thought, oh, my God, absolutely. We thought, no, 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 that can't be right. And, after, and two weeks later, we were like, okay, so oh. now we have to reevaluate this. Yeah, because but, it, was, it was one of those – the OGL was one of those things that was just, like, so outlandish to think that they would be so – Audacious. Bra- audacious and brazen – to behave in that way. I'm like, surely it's overblown. There's probably some things that aren't that great. And it's like, no, it was arguably worse than yeah. people were saying. Uh, and then ultimately, I think it ended up in a much better spot than it was even before the sure. controversy. Right now, the OGL, all of that is in a much better position for creators. It's just now everybody has that like, ugh, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, with, th- with this, with Tencent, with selling, with, with the potential to sell IP... I don't I don't really agree with the people that would be excited for them to sell D&D to a separated entirely from the Chinese Communist Party controlled and sanctioned and like their entire executive board being card carrying members of the CCP. That separate entirely. So even if they were selling it to an American company if or, they were or selling, a Canadian company. Yeah, if they were selling it to Microsoft. Yes. I wouldn't be happy about that. Do you know how massive Microsoft is? Mm-hmm. Tencent is massive. They're not going to give a fuck about the D&D IP. Look what, look at what Microsoft has been doing with the studios they've been buying for Game Pass. Yeah. They just, they had this massive merger with Activision Blizzard King, 
and they just laid off a bunch of people. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. They're just trying to get they're just trying to extract value out of these organizations for their own bottom line. And ha- that's what Hasbro is doing. Oh yeah. And them just giving it to a different one isn't going to improve anything. No. It's going to just disrupt their entire workflow, make products worse for a period of time, and then maybe they never get better. And then we just lose these these products and this these games that we really love. I would be very very skeptical of organization of being happy that organizations are selling their IP to other large corporations and organizations. Yeah, I think that I mean we're we've we've seen a lot of this dis dislike for Hasbro and Wizards mm. of the Coast and that I think fuels a lot of people's thoughts on how things should be. And we're coming into an era of more indie TTRPGs. Of course indie TTRPGs have been around for a for ever, oh, since, yeah. since the beginning, obviously, oh, yeah. um, but now I think we're going to see, you know, if if Hasbro just explodes or just bleeds out, mm-hmm. they they do like you said, they just took a, they're like, oh, let's take a chunk here and put it over. Oh, now we have a different hole. Anyway, but if if they if they sink, you know, I I think we might the only time D and D might become this this new refreshed love of the community indie thing that people I think are wanting you know uh, from companies like Path that we see with Pathfinder and we Mm -hmm. see with the new uh, MCDM TTRPG I think it's going to take yeah Hasbro completely dying several years and then somebody picking up the IP yeah it it would be it would have to be a bankruptcy fire sale Mm -hmm. and in in the best case scenario for me it would be Wizards of the Coast is owned by Hasbro if Hasbro goes their ownership company goes. Their best case scenario is buy themselves out. Yeah. Uh, that would be by far the best. If Wizards of the Coast was independent, I think, and I think very evidence-based, and I, I would hold very, very firm that if, that if Wizards was spun off into their own entity, much like how AltaFox wanted them to when we were talking about that last year. Oh, two um, years ago at this point. Oh, two years ago. Fuck. God, we've been doing this for a while. But if they spun off into their own entity, that entity is going to be treating their IP with a lot more care and polish and drive to improve than Hasbro would, than Tencent would, than mm-hmm. any other mega corporation would. The third-party developer Microsoft would for video games. Yeah. Like, that's... Oh, it drives me crazy when people are like, yeah, they should just... Microsoft should just buy this to... Oh, Microsoft just bought Activision Blizzard King. Sony should buy should buy Square Enix. And it's like, no, why why would we want this? Right? Like, we don't we don't need to like bring in house everything and just own everything. Like, everyone being separate creates better products. It creates better competition. It create everything's just better. Let there be more things. Let people choose. Um, yeah, I'm kind of. Obviously, they're not. They weren't going to sell the D and D IP. Hasbro is probably going to go out of business. Uh, I was actually talking to my brother. My brother is on a Star Wars podcast, mm-hmm. uh, the Outer Rim Guild, Outer Rim something. I can't remember. And they talk about Hasbro toys all the time, right? Because Hasbro owns the rights to so many Star Wars, yep. uh, Marvel. Oh yeah, um, and just 
A, the price, B, the quality of the products. Uh, my brother, for my birthday, went to the Ollie's discount store. You'll remember, we've talked about Ollie's on the show before because of the campaign cases. Yes, originally $60 products that people were finding for three at yeah. Ollie's. Yeah, uh, another thing that we now own because it was gifted to me. Uh, the D&D board game, Warriors of Kryn, mm-hmm. that was released alongside the uh, Dragonlance campaign setting. A product, a product that was like $80. You, mm. know how mu- you know how much it was bought for? How much was it bought for? He bought it for $10, and they had a stack of like 50 of them. Yeah. So I, that's a Hasbro. That's a Hasbro thing. I've been saying it for a very long time. We've been saying it for a very long time. Those, that kind of product, like that kind of push, that's not Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. And Tencent wouldn't be any better about it. No. So that's all I have to say about that. You got anything else? Yeah, let's move on. All right. In more kind of sad news, <laughs> uh, Joe Manganiello. Joe Manganiello has been working on a possible live-action Dragonlance project for a while. Uh, he's got some bad news, though. Joe Manganiello, in an exclusive interview with ComicBook.com's Chris Killian, uh, he was former, he was an actor on True Blood, and the Justice League is also a very, very big player in the magic in the D and D space. In uh, bo- both a player, as in somebody who plays it, and as also a influential personality. Both are true. Both are true. Uh, he confirmed that a proposed live action Dragonlance project that he had been working on for years was no longer going to be moving forward despite the script receiving high praise from several Hollywood producers. Quote, Dragonlance is not a property. Wizards of the Coast are interested in developing further currently. End quote. Uh, He said the planned project was not moving forward due to several issues, including Hasbro's sale of the E1 studio and the poor performance of the Dragonlance D&D adventure and board game released in 2022. Yeah. 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 Uh, as, reason, as reasons for why the project was not proceeding. In the interview, Manganiello spoke about the work he spent attempting to turn Dragonlance novel series, which features a group of heroes fighting against the dark goddess of dragons and her forces of evil. Manganiello worked with a script writing partner and consulted with novel writers Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss on the project. Quote, Tracy and Margaret were all about it. It was real. It really got me getting in there and fleshing out the world they built and a world they hinted at in some places, but didn't shine. Didn't shine the magnifying glass on. Uh, he also mentioned that it was inspired by HBO's treatment of True Blood, which was based on the Southern Vampire Mysteries novel series. "Quote: What I had planned for the first season was mind blowing." Talking about his plans for the series. I just, I want to make the Dragonlance show because I want to see it and I just want to feel that excited and electric about something. The characters, like the casting, I have to, I have a lookbook with over a thousand pages, but it's not what you'd expect. The design concepts I had for the world, for the armor, for the swords, I had a fresh take on what the dragons were going to look like. It was going to be nothing like anyone has ever seen. And these beloved characters that have been read by, I think Tracy said, there's 35 million copies in circulation. So he had also shopped it to a bunch of other studios outside of Hasbro and E1. I'll give one more quote here. Quote, The biggest fantasy literary agent in town, he said, and these are his words and not mine, that it was the best fantasy pilot he had read since the original Game of Thrones. 
There was another executive that read it and said it was one of the best fantasy scripts he he's ever read. I actually got an email just this morning from a producer who said it was awesome and that he wanted to send it to the rest of his company in hopes that I developed another fantasy IP. I didn't write the script that w- I didn't write a script that was terrible. Calls were made to say this is what you should be making, this is what you should be during doing, but currently it is to no avail. Holy fuck. Yeah. Um, Hollywood executives don't talk like that. <laughs> like, about 99% of things, that's not what they talk. That's not how they talk. No. Everything I mean, is negative. They're always trying to get it redone to how they want. They want their improvements. They're always giving notes. To have a glowing reaction like that, I mean, obviously, Joe, when he works on something, there's a lot of love and care put into it. There's a lot sure. of people in this space where whenever they work on something, it's like, that's their thing. But like to get the original writers of Dragonlance in, uh, I met those writers at Gen Con. I got a book signed for my brother. Oh yeah, for, that's right. Uh, for his... And you met Joe. Yes. And I met Joe in line there, which was pretty cool. Obviously that's why he's, <laughs> he's been doing stuff with them. Yeah. Um, that's really fucking disappointing. It's amazing to see how Wizards of the Coast slash Hasbro can can look at their own, can look at the ideas they come up with and go, this is great, and then flop. And then we hear of somebody who has deep, deep love of these things and and who is working with the people who originated these things, Dragonlance being mm-hmm. one of the most popular um, planes of, of all times mm-hmm. and obviously 35 million copies of a book is not is nothing to sneeze at yeah, it's a it's a series that's been going on for decades yeah like it's it's not to the level of a game of thrones or a lord of the rings in terms of public popularity yeah it's a little more niche but you're not going you're not going to have a series as long running as dragonlance with that many copies sold because it doesn't have the possibility for that broad appeal. It just hasn't really tried to. No. And if you have somebody at the helm of it who cares deeply about this and isn't it, they aren't here to just to make money, you know? I think we see that we've seen that obviously with um Oh my his name is escaping me. Superman. Um, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. And his the reason he's no longer on The Witcher. Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. he's also no longer Superman. And also and how he was starting the Warhammer show. Yep. And it's like these this is the you know, it back back 10, 15, 20 years ago, it'd be like, oh look at this fan film that's being made, and now it's a fan film that's being produced. Sh- it should be, could be produced professionally. Yeah. Being shopped to Hollywood executives. And Hollywood executives are looking at these scripts and being like, This is good stuff. Let's see if we can work something out. And then Hasbro saying no. Mm-hmm. That's it again. It comes down to a complete lack of awareness of where it's the mega corporation problem. The complete lack of awareness of where they hold their value, of where they get, where they could be getting the most value. Yeah, and it's not hard for Hasbro. It's not hard for them to say, Joe, this looks great. You've got a lot of interest. We can talk about licensing. Yeah. And we can license it to Warner Brothers or to whatever massive Hollywood studio wants to produce that. Yeah. And they and they could very easily shop that out for very little effort, and they would collect a very hefty 
uh, licensing fee and wouldn't really have to do a lot of work yeah on it it, I mean, especially it sounds like Joe wants to, one, you know, would want to be in charge, and he'd want to do the work as opposed to, you know, sometimes, I'm sure it's like somebody comes up with a script. All right, here you go. Yeah, here, make this. It's it's one of the it, it's the difference of the original Star Wars versus prequel Star Wars versus sequel Star Wars, mm-hmm. where the original Star Wars was, they were scrappy, they were writing the scripts themselves, it was their passion project, and that showed through. Same with The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It was their passion project, they showed through. Uh, with Star Wars, with the prequels, I believe it was George, like, I've got all these great ideas, and now I can just do it. Yeah. And he just kind of did it himself again, but he didn't have that scrappy mentality anymore. Yeah. And then with The Hobbit, with Lord of the Rings and Peter Jackson... It was, hey, we're making a Hobbit film. You can either be involved or not be involved. And that shows. Yeah. And we're making it a trilogy, and you can either be involved or not be involved. And it shows. And then the sequels, here's scripts. Uh, there you go. Make this movie now. Yeah. But I want We're Disney. Make this movie. Yeah. We're Disney. Make this movie. And they're like, but we... We want to do certain things, which is why you see a lot of threads that are introduced and then dropped. And then yeah. introduced and then dropped in those three movies. And... This this is one of those old media versus new media problems that we're probably going to have for another couple decades. Yeah. It might be resolved by the time we're elderly. Maybe. <laughs> God forbid we make it that long. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a new media versus old media thing, and you need to find the people that are passionate about projects and then giving them the ability to do those projects. And not only that, do them on the appropriate schedule. Appropriate scale. We've been doing this. We've seen this with Marvel where it's like we love Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Captain America, all those old. Some people don't like Iron Man 2. Well. I'm not one of them. I love Iron Man 2. People talk a lot of shit about Iron Man. uh, But anyway, all of those old. And then you hit the, you know, we get to this epic end of an arc with Endgame. And then it picks up again. And we, as people who, you know, we were watching and re-watching and we're like, and we're discussing these there's, very heavily. And there's closure. And then... We're the, opening it again. We're picking it up. And, and we watched for another year after that oh of, all the, of all the show releases, of all everything. And it's just like, okay, they're pushing. They're like, we need to have, we need to have the WandaVision out. Well, we need to have the super, uh, the, the Captain America and Winter Soldier. And now we need to do this and this. And, and it's just like, we're tired the biggest the biggest red flag that a lot of people missed myself included was all right comic-con w- what's up you like avengers age of ultron oh yeah whatever all right here's our entire slate through avengers and then Avengers 3 and Avengers 4. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know the titles of it then. And then eventually they were like, Infinity War. And people were like, ah, lost their fucking minds. And now you look at it and they finish Endgame and it's like, here's the next four and a half, five years of movies. And it's like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. You, you, you're already planning, you're already saying you're going to do these things when, like, who wants an Who wants an Echo, Disney Plus show? Yeah. Who Who want? Even though it was great, 
Who was asking for Moon Knight? Yeah. Moon Knight was a great show. Like, and I get, I get having, you know, a company having a five-year plan. That's good. If they didn't, I'd be very confused. But it's, it's not only just the, the, it's the rate at which they push them out. We would have been fine the, with a show a year. And the brazen act of, hello, public, get hype. Yeah. Because this is what we're doing. And it's like, that's way too much. It's the frequency. It's the, it, it's the, the pro- magic has this problem. Marvel has this problem. Disney has this problem. D&D had this problem. They've kind of slowed down. We'll see how that picks up next year when yeah. all the one D&D core books are out. But people need to, like, take a step back. And it, it is it is ultimately, and as, as much of a free market capitalist as I am, that is the downside of free market capitalism is it's like you got to grow you got to go you got to grow you got to grow you got to get bigger you got to yeah. make more you got to get more more investment means more hands in the pot means we need to make more to satisfy those hands yeah and i'm telling you right now hasbro would be completely foolish to refuse to license dragonlance to any any studio that would be willing to pick it up. They'd be foolish. They were foolish to get rid of E1. <laughs> that was that was really stupid. And now that they have, it's like, all right, well, license your shit. Yeah. And as far as owning popular IP goes, licensing them is the easiest thing to do to make money. Yeah. By far. So, Joe, uh, f- tough shit, dude. Sorry. <laughs> That's highly unfortunate, but it is what it is. Wrap-up time. Wrap-up time. Foundry Virtual Tabletop. They just had an announcement, and it is currently live. They are partnering with Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons & Dragons, and they're incorporating official D&D content into the Foundry Virtual Tabletop. It includes uh, tokens that have the official art from the D&D books. Uh, The Foundry VTT uh, system is going to have all of the rules and all of the features and spells and classes that you can get in the D&D Player's Handbook and I believe a couple of others as well. Uh, everything's going to be right there available for you. They have map integrations. Uh, you can manage tradi- uh, conditions. You can track the various effects that you have to track. Uh, their D&D maps that are now incorporated with their lighting engine in their virtual tabletop. All of it very searchable, very like interactable. Uh, their, ooh, the dynamic token engine which is a cool thing that they do i guess i don't know there's gonna be 150 of those featuring real art uh all of that out right now oh also the included bestiary mm-hmm. for all of the uh all the stuff they were announced uh the game system update happened on january 30th and fend Everland below the shattered obelisk is available on the foundry vtt as of february 1st as well you know licensing their products but I find that the, the, the main reason I wanted to talk about that was it's interesting because they want to develop their own virtual tabletop. Yeah. And now they're like, here, you can have this virtual tabletop that already is very popular and highly used and honestly a little bit difficult to get into. It's very dense yeah. in its mechanics. And it kind of is its own game in yeah. and of itself in some ways. Um, here, you can have it is is interesting i want to see either this speaks to the confidence that they have in their own vtt to be able to stand out yeah and be that platform and integrate it with D beyond which 
if they don't, I think would be completely foolish of them. Uh, or it might be the start of a partnership with Foundry where Foundry works with Wizards to create, to like further develop their VTT mm-hmm. and it becomes more of an ongoing partnership. I don't really know. Um, I mean, Foundry also looks very different. It has a different feel than the the tabletop that that uh, mm-hmm. Wizards is developing. So maybe it's one, who knows, maybe it's the thing. It might be two different markets. Two different markets. <laughs> God, God forbid they like they're like thinking like, ooh, we'll do it now, and then we'll buy them later. Maybe I mean that's that's what a lot of that's what a lot of companies do. I mean, they're what... they're they're uh, what's the like priming them for? They're plumping up the pig. Mm, mm, mm. And I mean, because it like we were looking at it, and I was saying that oh, I mean yeah, it's all the official art and stuff, but it just looks like they just took the the. Um, D&D Beyond database and ported it in. Kind of. But they didn't integrate D&D Beyond. They did not integrate D&D Beyond. Which I think is kind of the point, because they were like, you can't touch D&D Beyond. We'll yeah. give you the assets, and you can use these assets, and you can make them work with your lighting engine and all of your development and interactable maps and tokens mm-hmm. and all that kind of shit. But the integration with D&D Beyond, I think, is going to be exclusively reserved for their own VTT, which... Uh, I kind of find interesting that they did this partnership in the first place. Maybe yeah. just to kind of... I th- I think what they're doing is... Obviously, Foundry paid for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks... From from their announcement video, it looks like it's just Player's Handbook plus Fandelver and Below the Shattered Obelisk. Which is fair. Yeah, It might include like the Xanathars and Tasha shit. I don't know. But... This kind of a product is... I don't think they, they're worried about it competing. And it's one of those... I think this is just a push of, like, get D&D back to the people for a little bit. Give it give it time and give people more access. Like, they're playing D&D more, mm-hmm. playing D&D more. And then when they come back with their refresh, it can be like, boom, here's all this shit now. Yeah. Because I think they've lost a lot of people. And this might be That's just their true. attempt to get people back. You have anything to say? You don't really do many virtual tabletop stuff. I don't. No. Yeah. Even even with your friend moving eight hours away. Yeah. Yeah. Should be like, fuck it, we're ending our campaign now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, this is our wrap-up item. Altered TCG uh, is a Kickstarter that started, what? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago that uh, had an original pledge goal of 50,000 euros. Uh, it is a an indie trading card game that... Within the two weeks that it's been live, of the fifty thousand dollar goal, it has raised two point eight million. Yeah. You might be thinking, "Wow, people really want just an indie trading card game that much?" Well, it's not just an indie trading card game. It is an entirely new system of getting you cards. Yeah. They have a booster pack. They have starter decks that they're going to come with, but the main draw is the the cards themselves you're going to get cards out of a booster pack and once you have that card you can contact uh what is it equinox equinix yeah yeah equinox equinox the company and they will print to demand that card for you and this uh, also goes as far as they have they're going to have a companion app where you can also keep your cards in a database and uh and use and you can trade them on that app to other players, and then once you have those, you also own them. Mm-hmm. You have a you have an, basically an NFT of them. Kind, you know, it, it's it's NFT light. Yeah. Um, 
because you are getting the physical cards and simply having the card enables you to basically buy a playset of it from the company directly. Yeah. So they so they they mentioned in the article is you no longer have to crack a pack try and get that fourth that fourth of the playset or for that specific uh, he, here they're called heroes mm-hmm. that specific hero you want. Yes. They also have the foiler card. Uh, Which I think is very interesting. That this one, this one is the one where I'm like, that is interesting. Uh, a foiler card has a QR code for foiling another card of the same rarity. You will then be able to order a foil versions of that card using their print-on-demand service. Uh, the foiler is consumed on use. Uh, foiler cards come in three rarities: common, rare, and unique. Uh, another fun thing. Uh, this game is being designed by Regis Bonassi. That's French. I can't do French. Uh, the publisher of Dix Mysterium, and as well as the designer of Dice Forge and Seasons. Uh, they they've partnered with a lot of they have they have makers that they have uh, people who help make a Hearthstone and also Magic the Gathering people in there. Yes, it's. The, f- the fact that it got funded so quickly to such a massive degree mm-hmm. is very, very impressive. They got over a million, like, almost immediately. On their on their Kickstarter, it has a band that says the 50,000 goal was funded in two minutes. Yeah. Two minutes of the posting. So this is a very big deal. Uh, currently has 7,367 backers. Um, a new way to distribute... Trading card games. Yeah. So it's 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 going to be an interesting field, you know, for the this almost moving the physical product away from the point of you know, it's going to be at the point of sale, but there's going to be very little that aftermarket's going to be almost all digital probably. You're not going to see a lot of you know you're probably not going to see a lot of um like uh, booths at conventions and things that are selling second-hand cards at this rate. That is true. That is true. Which I think is their business model point. Mm -hmm. They are... They're kind of developing a way that cuts out a lot of the secondary market. Yeah. And then gives them those sales. And as long as their prices are reasonable, that's also going to be a boon for the consumer as well. Because if, if, oh, I pulled this rare... And I can get a playset of it directly from the company shipped to me for like ten bucks. That's a value. That's a pretty good value proposition. And oh, I also got this foiler, so I can make one of them a foil. And that's kind of in a that's a a issue a lot of people have with you know uh, obviously Wizards of Coast and Hasbro are very very um, guilty of this. Uh, Konami's also uh, guilty of this when it comes to Yu-Gi-Oh. But it's like they know what cards are valuable on the secondary market. It's like, why do you think we, we, you know, we, oh, look, suddenly we're putting Fierce Guardianship in this, into Commander Masters, so now you can crack it. And we're also going to put, uh, it's going to be, you know, a 25% more expensive to buy a Commander Masters pack. Mm-hmm. You know, that, so that's, that's very blatantly not what they want. They don't, they're yeah. not trying to sell you more packs. They're trying to sell you initial packs and then get you to buy printings. Yes, and that is the, that's going to be the key thing. If there's a powerful card in Altered, mm-hmm. Altered TCG, then there can be an infinite number of those cards. Yeah. Because if you crack that pack, you could buy, I don't know, we don't know the pricing on these, 
They haven't really said that, but you could buy as many of them as they want, mm-hmm. as you want, because you have the one, and now they'll print on demand as many as you would like. So, see, I think there was a uh, price in the where's the reviews and previews. You can keep talking. I'm gonna. I'll be so there. When I when I completely derailed me, you fuckwit, you whore. You massive bitch. Stretch goals. I'm an idiot. So it seems to me like their attempt to cut out the entire, well, maybe not the entire secondary market, but they're, in a way, it becomes consumer friendly because consumers can get any of the cards that they want for what will be compared to powerful magic cards, powerful arcana cards, powerful whatever, flesh and blood. Those rare cards, you now no longer have to just crack from a pack. Yeah. You can now order directly from them, and they will print for you. They also are saying that if you wanted to proxy and print your own, they're totally fine with that. Um, oh, here we go. So they have they have prices for packs uh, in terms of... In, well, actually, those are just shipping. But... Shipping estimates without add-ons. I saw I, I saw something earlier and was kind of giving comparison. If you you know if you did the uh, because it's in pledge tiers, I'm an idiot. Here we go. Um, so here we go. MSRP for um, two decks, two pre-starter decks, and one booster box display would be 174 euros. So probably about 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now it looks like you're getting about so it's 150 euros, um, so closer to about 170 bucks. So it's it looks to be on well for two decks and two then decks a booster and box. Two a booster box of 36 packs. 36 pack box for Magic for most sets is around that price when it comes out. Yeah. Um, and Magic booster boxes I don't think are 36 anymore. I think they're close to like 32 for some of them, right? Uh, maybe. But ultimately. Ultimately, I think this is a consumer-friendly move, and it's also a consumer-friendly move that directs business at the company instead of third-party, mm-hmm. um, instead of third-party resellers yeah. and, and secondary market options, which is both good for the people that want to play the game, and then also good for the company that's making the game. Uh, I am intrigued to see if there is going to be a a notation or something that distinguishes a card that was pulled from a pack or a deck oh, versus versus a printed on demand card so like you couldn't necessarily trade your printed on demand cards hypothetically well, possibly in, in person you absolutely like you could trade whatever but well i mean the printed on demand cards probably don't hold the same kind of value on their own like internal marketplace that they have would be my suspicion um i did know so there are so one of the one of the tiers rewards is going to be uncut sheets but uh the cards wherever they were um, had QR codes on them, so I'm wondering if the print-on-demand cards just don't have a don't QR have code. the QR codes. That would make that would make sense because it would kind of it kind of would defeat the purpose of their own market. To oh yeah, if you had one of these print-on-demand cards, you can also then print it on demand. It just kind of creates like yeah ever-growing fractal of of ownership spider webbing out yeah i don't i yeah so we've seen we've seen cards that come out of booster packs and they have a qr code in the bottom right which i would assume is how you scan them into your database 
their database on their app and then that's how you are able to then order more cards from them yeah um and then the the foiler cards also have QR codes on them and those are consumed when you use them whereas if you order cards that you have in your collection to be printed on demand uh though you they you still own them and then you can take those cards and share the digital ownership of them and trade them to other people or sell them to other people so it's a whole weird nft light thing but ultimately it seems like it's going to end up as being more consumer friendly and probably really good business for them i mean obviously they've already raised almost three million dollars for this so they've got two more weeks to go so uh props to equinox studios check out altered games on kickstarter if you are so interested and those are the news items for the day and we're going to end this podcast as we always end our podcasts with questions comments concerns thoughts and or ideas from the tiktok live chat we record this uh, podcast live on tiktok every other week on tuesdays around noon eastern time podcast goes live the following day wednesday at 12 30 p.m eastern time you can get the podcast on apple google spotify youtube music our youtube channel uh wherever you get your podcasts and you can also follow us on TikTok because that's where we gained our, our notoriety, if you will. You also gotta you also go to our uh, Instagram and YouTube and Twitter and Discord and all that kind of nonsense. Sam, mm-hmm. what do we got from the TikTok live chat? We don't got really much. Uh, Party Source said, just hopping in. What are we riffing about? Everything. Everything. I'm always riffing. Mm-hmm. And then Phil Good just asked what game we were talking about. We were talking about Altered. 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 Right. Nothing, nothing really in nothing chat? Nothing really in chat today. Oh, wow. That is surprising. All right. Well, we're on. Interesting. Yeah? That's totally fine. Well, I have a question for you, Sam. All right. Why are you such a bitch? Um, you know, probably the uh, the economy mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. as... Mm-hmm. Um, housing market? Housing market, yeah. Like... Yeah. I can't wait for that shit to crash. Dude, I'm, I'm excited for when we can, you know, slide in and, and steal a nice... Uh, two-bedroom ranch out from under a family of four who can no longer afford their mortgage. Yeah. Yeah, fuck them. Fuck those families of four. The nuclear family? (laughs) The American dream? My American dream is, um... Part of me, part of me... Okay, this is... is, Completely... This is ostensibly a Dungeons & Dragons and Match of the Gathering podcast. Yeah. I... Part of me, like, kind of doesn't want to own a home because, like, I don't want to fuck with landscaping. I don't want to, like, oh, the fucking water heater is leaking now. I don't want to have to deal with that myself. I want to tell someone that owns it to be like, hey, fix it. And then that's all I need to worry about, you know? See, I, those things don't, uh, like, here's the thing. So a couple years ago, I lived in a different apartment with a different roommate. And dead of winter, our water heater went out. Mm -hmm. I very easily could have just gone to the Home Depot or the lowest, as in Lowe's, but they do the thing in their commercial where they say lowest prices. Anyway, and just bought a water heater and had them install it that day, next day. Who cares? It took a month and a half for my rental company to get us a new water heater. In 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 defense of my position, you had a re- you had like the worst rental company in Cincinnati. The the company that then was being investigated and fined and sued by the city 
because they were that bad. Well, yeah, but still, <laughs> as far as I mean, like land. I will say the place we live now, they're very good if there's a problem. Yeah, they are usually here within a day or two. They fixed your toilet within a day. That was imp- that was shocking. <laughs> so the porcelain, I I didn't brick the toilet. Okay, the porcelain in the tank cracked. Yeah, from top to bottom. Not yeah, and, and nothing was dropped. We were gone when it happened. Literally, we were not home. We were away on a trip. And I came back and I'm like, why is there a wet patch in the ceiling? Oh, God. And I went up to my bathroom and there was water everywhere because it had been dripping out of a crack that formed in the porcelain when no one was home. Yeah. That was, an, that was a weird thing. But they got it, they got it pulled out and replaced. They, they came in. They went, what the hell? They, had, they were shocked. We were like, I know, right? <laughs> now, did they come back in and paint the ceiling to get rid of the water stain? No, but that's also a very low priority thing. You know? And every time they're, they they used to do quarterly, now they do biannual inspections. They used to come and go, do you know what that's about? I'm like, yeah, it's in your notes. And they're like, oh, okay. Okay, we'll get, we'll get that fixed. And then they don't. Because, I mean, when it comes to the hierarchy of importance for maintenance, it's like, oh, painting over that water stain from a problem that doesn't exist anymore... That's not a priority, and I don't. I don't care. Oh yeah, we, we don't. We barely look up. Yeah, when we when we leave when we leave this abode eventually, they'll be like, oh, we'll fix that, and then they'll paint it, and it'll be fine. Yeah, great. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that is all. That is all the time we have for this episode of the Duels and Mana Dorks podcast. We are nine episodes away. Yeah, nine so, episodes until the big boy. So till, only five and a half nice, months. No, only four nice. and a half months. Nice. We've considered going weekly a couple of times. We would need to have more time in our own schedules. Yeah, we would need. We honestly, the the big different differentiating factor it would be the ability for this to more monetarily support us. So if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please do the things like review. Ooh, reviewing on the podcast services is the biggest thing. Give By us far. five stars. Send us to your best friend. Yeah. Uh, tell them. Share it. Tell the, your best friend that this is the reason uh, you're you're no longer a virgin. Sam, I've told you dozens of times to quit fucking our fans. <laughs> Brandon can only take so much and his wife isn't very happy. <laughs> uh, Brandon Vole, one of our one of our fans and, and good friends. I'm not doing the last bit anymore. I'm kind of over it. Alright. Yeah. Well then then I'll do the last bit of um of just saying dumb shit. That's everything you say. And I'm I'm just gonna cut out the filter from now on. Oh. So remember folks, uh if if you are if you are None unhappy in life. Um, I don't know where he's going with this. I don't know where I'm going with this either. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of going. Uh, just remember that it's all Connor's fault, and that if you have a big problem with him, you should let us know on every one of our videos. Mm-hmm. Okay. You sound like my ex. We love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.